1: No purchase necessary, void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, storytellers of all ages, lend your ears to co hosts Brad and Philip as we delve into the Marketing Your Attraction podcast. Welcome back to the Marketing
1: Your Attraction podcast to episode 31. I'm one of your hosts, Brad, and I'm joined by Philip as always. Philip, welcome back to the show. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing wonderful. I'm excited to talk about marketing today.
1: Yeah, I think we have a really fun topic that I know you and I talk about a lot off the show, and I think we've done a couple of examples on the show, but as far as I know, and I don't want to guarantee anything because we've done a lot of episodes, I don't think we've ever fully covered and dedicated an episode to the topic of content marketing.
0: It's definitely I think one of my specialty areas you know every marketer has to have specialties. I think uh experiential marketing and uh, content marketing are some of my uh most tracked specialties, so it's definitely a thing that I will rant about unbidden at any opportunity. <laughs> and sure. yeah, I want to define it first here um, i'm and we put extensive information in the show notes for people that are interested in doing this. Um, I wanted to find it first and I can give an example, as Brad said, of what we do, but it's very often misrepresented. (laughs) Like it's, it's probably one of these two experiential marketing and content marketing are probably two of the, the fields where in marketing, where people get it wrong most of the time like it's not like people get it right it's most of the time it's wrong or it's misunderstood or it's improperly explained Um, (laughs) uh, but both of these spaces have their own institutions Um, the content marketing institute has been around for the longest and the content marketing institute's the one that actually um, defined what content marketing is and put that definition out into uh, the marketing world and has they have books and consulting and events and they do yearly awards and they do everything. So I'm going to use their definition. So I'm reading here and this is also in the show notes, but, um, what is content marketing? Content marketing is a strategic marketing approach of creating and distributing valuable, relevant and consistent content to attract and acquire a clearly defined audience with the objective of driving profitable customer action. In short, Instead of pitching your products or services, you're delivering information that makes your buyer more intelligent. The essence of this constant strategy is the belief that if we as businesses deliver consistent, ongoing, valuable information to buyers, they ultimately reward us with their business and loyalty. So it is, <clears throat> to recap, and this is where people get it most wrong, like it's not pitching your products or services and like pitching them in a different way. Or like pitching your products by pitching customers that have used your products. Like um, it's delivering information that makes your buyer more intelligent about what they do. And it's doing that on a consistent basis. So it, I think those are the two main misunderstanding. It, it's not the objective isn't to talk about your products or services or even talk about them tangentially the objective is to take one of your buyer profiles and teach them something that they need to know or that they want to know on a consistent basis which does not mean campaign driven most marketing content marketing takes an average of 18 months to even start like working properly so this is beyond any like reasonable campaign right i mean most of the campaigns we do are like quarter quarter long to maybe you know half a year long um where you ticket sales or a month or whatever you're talking about something that you know you do it on a consistent basis with a with a team you've dedicated and with budget you've dedicated for two years before it even starts to be anything (laughs) so um, i think when most people realize those two components they just like can like shake their heads in disbelief, and are like we don 't understand how that could possibly ever be uh, useful to anybody because it goes against um, the nature of of these things and even on the non brand side i 've had a lot of discussions with uh, like thought thought leaders, and for a thought leader it 's pretty easy to create content marketing um, because it 's like a thought leader doing a you know, free ebook series or a podcast series or et cetera, et cetera. But a lot of them just tell me, well, why am I going to spend a lot of time and money creating resources that teach people to do the thing they would pay me to do? <laughs> like that's essentially what I'm doing just like giving away everything that I've learned and spending money to do it. And I'm like, that's what content marketing is. And ultimately they pay you for convenience after they trust you and the content marketing builds trust and it gives you information on those clients which helps you get more clients like them so um, but it's it's there's a lot of resistance to it from both the brand side and even the individual side um, because it's so uh, so different from what we have been trained to do as marketers right like so much of I think what our day-to-day looks like in marketing is campaigns and just like useless metrics Um, and the content marketing more speaks to the classic, uh, definition of marketing, which is to maintain and grow a market of individuals. So you're really more focusing on that market of individuals and what they need to know in their life and teaching them that thing. Almost like, um, like being a, you know, a teacher to them or some sort of mentor or guide to teach them a topic and you are creating something for them.
1: Yeah, and it, it can be difficult to show ROI with content marketing. Um, it can take. There's, there's definitely ways to measure it, um, but as you mentioned, these are long campaigns that are not going to necessarily show a high return on investment in the next week, the next month, the next few months. Uh, some of these examples take you know years to build, but when done well and when done consistently, they Build brands that have been around for you know decades or even hundreds of hundreds of years. Um, I don't. Should we jump into some examples? I I know. Um, I know there's a great history of content marketing video that uh, that you that you'll link to in in the show notes. Uh, and in that video, we were talking about uh, they were talking about you know John Deere, yeah, uh, the Michelin, uh, the Michelin Guide. Michelin stars. Yeah. uh, Jello recipe book, all all of these brands that have been around for such a long time. A lot of their earliest marketing that built those brands were, were content marketing.
0: I I love that video. It's in the show notes. Um, And I think it, it leads into the next, um, the next point, like the history of content. You can see it's been going on for a while. Um, John Deere made the furrow magazine back in like 1895 i think it was um where they started furrow magazine um which is um like furrow magazine that they started back in 1895 was for made by john deere for farmers just talking about new farming techniques and it went on that magazine continued on for a very long time um and and then uh, there's the Michelin, the whole Michelin star system was a, a content marketing campaign. <laughs> um, a lot of these things we think about are actually, you know, that was made in the 1900s, um, which started out as a 400 page guide um, that helped uh, drivers maintain um, standards. And then there's the Jello recipe book, um, in 1904, and there's the um, the soup opera uh, that started in 1930s. Um, the magazine evolution, etc. Like it's you can. It's really interesting to see all these things. But um, I think the why of some of these is is something we should talk about too. Um, and I, I have some examples for me, but I think we'll go into examples in the second half of the episode, more specific examples for everyone. But I think it's important to clarify why you would do any of this or why all of these brands would put so much time, energy, like, like the furrow magazine by John Deere. It was like, not the oldest example, but one of the largest examples. And they did it for decades and decades and decades that you have this, um, this company, putting money towards a print magazine. Um, and it's kind of like, why? You know, why, why? Why, if it's so difficult and it takes so long um, and it requires so much uh, you know, time and attention to do correctly, then why do we do it? Um, and Brad, I think, has an interesting insight on it from his perspective. For me, um, the examples that we do with Gantum Uh, we're a very small company, so ours are like, (laughs) like content marketing on a budget. Um, we do, we do a quarterly print magazine and we do a, uh, yearly event as our content marketing platforms. And for us, it is a little bit different because we're a very small company, but for us, it's, it's a lot about, um, relationship maintaining, like maintain relationships and being, uh, considered a thought leader and being of value, um, to our clients. And that's a little bit different than just creating a product that people want. It's like, not just, we want to make a product that people want, but we also want to be of value to them. Like, you know, just by knowing of, by, by, by working with us, we add value to, to their uh relationships to to the relationship with us and so our content marketing platforms are designed around designers uh themed entertainment designers who are our primary customers because themed entertainment designers are the ones that specify our lights into projects and then once a project is is designed that way they're specified with lights you know then a fulfillment house some you know sometimes the client will buy it but often um often i guess to very quickly explain the process so the marketers will understand um there's we have three main um tiers of people and then we have demographics obviously we have target markets within those three groups but three main groups are the buyer the buying uh, agent or the buying house and the designer so the buyer will be like universal and they'll say well we're gonna we have universal beijing that we're opening so all of these rides and areas need lighting design done. So they will hire uh, either they'll use an on on staff designer or they will hire a designer and they hire a designer and that designer does the lighting design and that designer um, has to know that Gantam is a thing so that if Gantam is the right, is the best option for their design, then they will specify it. So they do their lighting design and they make what's called like a uh, a fixture sh- fixture list, which is basically just a shopping list of all the fixtures that are needed, they give that back to the client, and the client usually then gives that to a buying house uh, to do all the shopping for them uh, sometimes they 'll do it themselves, but frequently they use a the buying house and so then that buying house needs to you know be able to google us <laughs> and or know of us and then get buy the product for us so you see how um, there's a disconnect because we are only selling to the buying house and we don't know who that's for. And maybe sometimes we'll sell to the end user, you know, but the end user may not understand why our lights are in the project. It's just to them, it's like, well, they were put on the shopping list. So we really need to talk to the designer is our, I guess, our core, core, core person. Um, But we never talk to them because, you know, they, they don't buy directly from us. So they, maybe they'll be contacting us for samples or whatnot, but it's not, it's a very tenuous relationship. So the content marketing platforms on our end are geared towards teaching designers something that they need to know and helping them get more work in their career. And since our specialty is Halloween and Christmas, we teach them about how they can make more money uh, and, and, be more competitive doing seasonal entertainment so our content marketing is all all around teaching them skills that they need to be successful in seasonal entertainment um, which gives us a direct relationship with the designers um, which gives us a lot of information and insight that we need to make the products better but also to to know more about um their lives and what is interesting to them and who they care about and and what they do and all these things that makes our, um, marketing more efficient. So it, it exists for us as a, as a way to build relationships and to um, become more efficient in the other things that we do, which, um, so, but the, the main objective of the content itself, like the editorial team for the magazine, their objective is to be, you know, inspirational or informative or educational Uh, to these designers in terms of teaching them how to design and be successful in seasonal entertainment. And that's the objective with the in-person event as well. So it's not at all tied to our fixtures in any way. Like we're not trying to teach them even about lighting. Um, We're trying to teach them about all the elements that go into seasonal entertainment uh, and how you do it from the ground up and, and who, who makes these events and all would try and do the entire, you know, be the, the end all resource for anything that has to do with a, a temporary event at an attraction. And just like content Marketing Institute, we have our own definition for what seasonal attractions are, which we speak on. Um, and we like try to own that space. Um, so it's, that's how we use it. Um, Brad, why, fr- from your perspective, Brad has a slightly different one. Why, is, why would content marketing be um, be important?
1: Yeah, I think you touched on a lot of it. The, the main reason for content marketing is to have customers, consumers find out about your brand and, and build a connection. Um, and also for customers uh, who are already interacting with your brand or have already made a purchase to make sure that they're continuing to interact uh, with your company. And uh, for a lot of companies out there, you, you don't necessarily have a uh, a direct connection to that customer. Um, like you mentioned with, with your customers, they're not necessarily... The, the end user is not the one who's purchasing through your, through your uh, company. I'll give you an example for, for Razer, the video game hardware company uh, that I work at. Uh, you know, the vast majority of our consumers are not purchasing directly from Razor. They're going through Amazon.com, Best Buy, Target, Walmart, GameStop, all of these different online and offline retailers, whether they're walking into a Walmart or going to Best Buy.com. We don't have, in, in a lot of cases, we don't have that data. We don't have that direct relationship with that consumer. They are Best Buy's customer you know best buy has their email address has their location data they purchased our product but we don't have that direct connection and and so content marketing is a great way to help uh in this case you know video gamers find out about the razer brand um, but also to have people who have already purchased the razer razer product or are thinking about purchasing it come across as content marketing and and realize that we're providing value to them, uh, even if they're not, uh, even if they haven't necessarily purchased a product yet. So I'll give you an example. We worked with a publication, uh, PC Gamer, uh, which is the largest uh, video game, uh, PC video game website uh, in the world. And uh, we worked with them on a content marketing series that went on uh, for all of 2018, where we sponsored... Uh, these videos, these articles, talking about how to build a uh, how to build a PC for for gaming, how to optimize your PC for gaming, things to to you know watch out uh, when you're building, you know how to guides, uh, troubleshooting guides for this type of hardware, uh, the best settings for different games, and I would say in about eighty percent of this content, our products had nothing to do with it. We we don't make. Uh, we don't make desktop computers uh, we don't make any video games we make hardware that works with with all of that uh, but in a lot of a lot of these guides you know our name was mentioned um, as a sponsor or maybe you know our logo was in the background somewhere but our brand wasn't the focus of it the focus was providing value to our consumer uh, and, and that's different than in a lot of my jobs where uh, and you know in the my past were like working at Knott's Berry Farm, for instance, you had a direct connection with your consumer, or at least an opportunity to do that because they were purchasing through your website. Um, but more and more, you know, attractions, tickets are being purchased through Groupon or different resellers like the you know, California Go Card, um, or uh, you know, Gold Star, all these different resellers. And I think whether you have that direct relationship or not with a um with your consumer content marketing can still work for you it's a great way to have consumers naturally find find out about your company when they're searching when they're planning for their trip when they're you know troubleshooting um to figure out you know how can they build their own diy you know haunted house for example um there's a lot of examples that we're going to detail uh in the latter half of this this episode that, you know provide different ways to do content marketing because I, I think the good and bad thing about content marketing as as Philip alluded to in the introduction of of the podcast is it's a kind of a misunderstood term uh, but even when it's understood correctly there's a lot of of different approaches to take to content marketing you know it's it's not like uh, necessarily like a like Facebook marketing where you know there's a few paths to take but there's only a handful of best practices, and and, and most companies kind of follow the you know, similar paths with with content marketing. There's so many ways to go. Um, there's so many different channels you can uh, tell your uh, tell different stories and, and help your consumers. Um, but if I was going to to really sum up what content marketing is to me, is it's not about your brand. It's not about your product. It's about informing your customer, and that has to be in the forefront of your mind is how am I providing value to them and not how do I get them to buy the product? Because if you're thinking about that, uh, content marketing isn't going to work because it's not going to be content marketing. It's just going to be an
0: ad. I put some notes in in the uh, in the show notes there's a there's a history of content marketing there's the John Deere and furrow magazine there's also a getting started guide from the content marketing institute which is my favorite institute for for this information um but uh you know it's it's just it doesn't have to be something uh, crazy you know or a lot of effort it just has to be useful and of quality um to one of your target markets that you are, are trying to get more information on and uh brad's right it's a different lens to look at um that's why we we have a separate team that uh, works on the magazine because you know it's really easy well <laughs> it's impossible to prove roi <laughs> and it's always a struggle every every quarter with the cfo asking why the money goes out for this mean why do we have to pay writers you know, what, you know, why, why do we have to pay writers? Why can't we just, um, get content submitted and why, uh, you know, what, like then, uh, you know, other, other people in our, in the company saying, well, why can't we, can we do a profile piece on this person or that person or this designer bought a bunch of stuff? We should do, um, an article on them. And it's like, we always have, we, you know, it's like you smile and nod and say, Oh, well thank you for that. Uh, advice and I'll write, I'll bring it to the team, (laughs) you know, and then in the team meeting you're, you're on the wall. You're like, we have to make sure that we, that we teach them. Every article has to teach them something, teach designers something about how to uh, be competitive in seasonal entertainment and seasonal attractions. And so how, how would this do that? You know? Yeah. This, this designer is a good customer, but have they, do they have any, any information to share that's relevant for seasonal attractions (laughs) do they do anything in that vein um you know do they have good information they could teach someone something um and there's a lot of projects that come up that everyone wants to talk about but it's like well that's that project is a permanent installation it's not a seasonal attraction so it doesn't really qualify Um, so those are the the, the the hard places you get in right is like we we have to first and foremost make sure that this is really good information For these people that are in this that the, these people that are, are trying to be successful in this field. Um, so That's that's where it gets sticky, you know,
1: yeah I, another another uh, Point where it gets sticky too is uh, especially in the attractions uh, industry when you're doing content marketing there there are many instances where you need to involve uh, and including competitors or mm-hmm. even if they're not necessarily you know, 100% competitors to your attraction they're sort of frenemies in some ways so you know at Knott's Berry Farm when we are when we were doing content marketing about why would you want to visit Los Angeles why would you want to visit Southern California well it's not going to be good content if it was only about visiting Knott's Berry Farm. Because at, at the end of the day, uh, very few people are spending an entire week at one theme park. <laughs> and if they are, it's probably not necessarily a Knott's Berry Farm. And so it was, how do we work with you know, Disneyland? How do we work with you know, SeaWorld and Legoland to um, create all of these these different itineraries where we can still, or we can provide that quality content and, and these different trip plans? Um, that was, that was a big part when we were working on the hotel marketing content marketing is uh, being comfortable with, with recommending other places to stay and other attractions that were not Knott's Berry Farm because the, the vast majority of people that stayed at the Knott's Berry Farm Hotel were visiting other attractions than just Knott's Berry Farm. And, and you, can't, uh, you can't create good quality content that's informative to your customers and, and to your guests. And unless you're willing to do that, and those, those, that can be you know tricky, those are really tricky conversations to have. Um, but as Philip and I keep mentioning, it has to be you know valuable to that end consumer. Otherwise, it's not it's it's not the essence of what content marketing and what great content marketing is.
0: Yes, and we'll go into the examples now, and uh, you'll see in a lot of these examples how um, the brand puts uh, someone or some entity in between themselves and the the customer directly, um, in order to 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 make sure that it's that there's that it stays uh not biased um of course it's always biased because on the one hand you know whoever's paying for it <laughs> they, you know they have to like it um but let's go through some of the uh examples um the first one we have here is ideas of order magazine which we put the link in the show notes um, Um, but idea of order magazine is a full print magazine with an online presence and uh, it's won several awards and it is um, the editorial team or, or the collector and curation team is Martha Stewart and Mary Kondo. And there's it. So it's both web and it's uh and it's a physical magazine. Um, it's available for, shipping directly and to AdNet showrooms, uh, available to showrooms. And I really encourage you to go and look on the, uh, look at the website from the show notes. So you'll see that it's all about the magazine and the digital issue is on here, um, with features and, you know, it's all, it's all, uh, legit. <laughs> it's, you know, it looks legit. It's very high quality print magazine. Um, but it's actually, uh, created by California Closets, and so California Closets in this case hired uh, a firm called uh, Redbird Media, and then Redbird Media is the one that uh, that hired Martha Stewart and and that create that, that then they put together an editorial team and then and then produce it. Um, and you'll see on the Redbird site they talk about this. As a case study. So uh, I'll read a little bit about it from the case study. California closets is a renowned as a renowned leader in premium and luxury space management that provides that prides themselves in superior products, unparalleled service and acute customization. So Ideas of Order, an editorial driven 92 page print magazine with a corresponding website is the brand's vehicle for this belief, one that deeply understands what their customers desire outside of a closet installation. The name itself, Ideas of Order, is inspired by Wallace Stevens' book on poetry and positions the brand in its purest and most courageous form, a smart, celebratory embodiment of designing a better life, one rooted in calm, confidence, and joy that vibrancy showcases how personal surroundings become a place from which good emotions emanate into the world. Redbird is proud to have been awarded two Pearl Awards for Ideas of Order by the Content Council, Best Magazine, and they also won the 2018 project of the year by content marketing institute so they mentioned here about the roi the awards are not only in recognition of the creative but also the 42 times roi the initiative brought to california classes within three months of sending the issue to customers so they don't mention what (laughs) The ROI is, they just mentioned that it has 42 times the amount of investment return that uh, California Closets invested in this after they sent it out to customers. So we don't know what that means, but I assume based on this, that it is an information play uh, because, you know, it's all about, it looks like, a, like a, a leadership positioning and information play. You know what it helps them identify better with their clients if they know what their clients are interested in. And so they create a magazine and and bring all this and they, they become a thought leader, but they also figure out what, what content resonates with their readers. So they understand better uh, what their readers are interested in, which helps them um, sell more efficiently. Does anyone remember the band? OK Go. (laughs) I remember them because of like, You know, they have like a few hit songs, but...
1: Oh, um, yeah. Well, their music videos were always incredible with like the Roop's, the Roop Goldberg uh, machines.
0: Yeah. So, they're a band, right? They're known for their uh, music videos. So, they did a content partnership with Morton Salt, the salt company. (laughs) So, the salt company, um, I watched a case study on this and... It actually was much more complicated than I thought it was, but to boil it down, essentially the, the salt company got an agency together and then they got, okay, go and they created, okay, go create a song for them. The one moment which they turned into a music video, which saying that it went viral is definitely an understatement. Um, the, just the reposted video alone has 25 million views. Um, it's something that just went completely viral. And I like the example because it's. Um, I think a lot of people didn't even realize that it was about salt. Like the video is about salt. <laughs> it's about like the many forms that salt takes in our lives and whatnot. But um, the video is just so dynamic that uh, people wanted to consume it just because it was so good. And that is, I suppose, that's an element of uh, content marketing in itself is that it should be so interesting to the consumer that they want to consume it. It's like, um, it's like this video is a good example of that.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I know it was, it was part of a, an entire campaign too about you know, food waste and how you can use salt and different recipes to, to be able to uh, not only save money but also reduce the amount of food waste. And so it was part of a bigger campaign as well, which was great because I, I think that's, uh, Phil, that's what you were mentioning at the beginning of the show it's not just one piece of content like Mm -hmm. that can be a good start but it should be part of a you know a bigger marketing plan a bigger you know brand uh you know guide brand voice
0: yeah exactly um here's another example the show notes are in here we put the case study in here but uh master this is a uh, content site created by liberty mutual Um, it looks like Jack Morton was the firm that they hired to do it, but, uh, essentially, essentially what it is, is master. This was a, um, like, I don't know, like a, like a do it yourself, um, guide for how, for home improvement basically. Um, and so they made little like Kits. So it's like if you want to learn how to excel at winter driving or um, tackle home repairs or you know The easiest things to make your home more valuable then they made little kits and then um, Each kit had modules in it that would teach you how to do those things So it was this was a big content play uh, not just a you know, like a few articles or whatnot This is a whole a whole like we have to teach our our uh, customers how to do this and I'll read from the case study overview uh, here. The challenge on average, 11% of auto insurance policyholders have their insurance company in a year, or uh, 11% of auto insurance policyholders leave their, cust- their insurance company in a year. Currently 39% of Liberty Mutual customers are shopping for a different insurance provider. The category's advertising norms focus on switch and save, price only messaging, distracting from the full value of insurance, um the brand rarely has an opportunity to prove the quality of its service since only a small fraction of policyholders make a claim each year liberty mutual needed to build customer retention by building brand affinity and value so similar to what we talk about right like they don't interact with any of their customers and so because of that their customers are like always looking for (laughs) uh like a cheaper a cheaper insurance so uh, the insight is customer research showed where Liberty Mutual had an immense amount of credibility and where customers had an immense amount of pain. So they look at, they look at the brand, how is the brand credible and what's the brand credible in like us, you know, for Gantam we're credible in seasonal entertainment because we were created um, inside of the first, ha- the first house in Shanghai. So it's like, we have, a, we have a, an expertise, you know, in seasonal entertainment and Liberty Mutual is like, okay, where do we have an expertise and where is that expertise aligned with a customer pain point? You know, Liberty Mutual has insurance and most people, if they don't file a claim, they don't ever deal with Liberty Mutual. So they have a lot of customers that they don't interact with and those people are just looking for um, switch and save. Uh, People how they can switch and save so Liberty was like, okay, well, we want to do something. That's customer retention um, that adds value and Then they look to content marketing. They're like, let's create something but they started off in a a smarter way where they looked at what they have Like what does what do they have expertise in that they can match up with a pain point on their customer side? so they did all the research and they interviewed customers and they came down to this. Um, when it comes to life's biggest worries, Liberty Mutual's overachiever customers only trust one person. to get the job done themselves. So that's a really good customer insight that it's like their customers, like <laughs> on the biggest worries they have, like they, they only trust themselves, like the, the customers themselves. So they're like keeping that in mind. What we should do is teach them, specific skills that they are worrying about, basically. Um, so they launched Master This, a content marketing brand dedicated to resolving customers' worries by making them masters of all of life's biggest worries um, because you worry less when you know more. So they created modules for all of the biggest pain points that their, uh, their policyholders had. Uh, so overall, it was executed very well, right? Because it... <laughs> Um, that it was research driven. They didn't just they, they didn't they didn't just go into a room and say, "Well, what should we teach people? We should teach people these things." They were like, "Let's actually ask and let's figure out from our customers like what they don't know how to do and um, what they what they would actually want to know, and we'll create modules around each of those things." Um, and then it listed the impacts. Ninety uh, percent of their customers were reached with this versus like eleven percent from their previous campaigns. Um seventy five per seventy five percent recommended it and it had an eight hundred percent increase on um time on the site, which I'm not sure really should have been an ROI because does it matter if they go to the site, but anyway, it should have been like lifetime customer retention value.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, and I think I think after we give maybe a couple more examples we can we can go into um some uh some discussion about how how you can measure content marketing because although it is uh can be difficult sometimes i think there are definitely ways to to measure content marketing like you mentioned how um, a couple of these brands have measured it and i think even for smaller brands you can you can definitely uh look at different kpis because uh, if you're not looking at a key performance indicator for a campaign it can be hard to tell whether it's successful or not and uh a lot of companies um like like you mentioned before and when you're setting your budgets and talking to finance, you, you do have to show value for uh, for these campaigns because they can be costly and they and they, they need to be, uh, and for the most part, they need to be longer term campaigns. They're not only going to be you know a week or two to really show that value.
0: Um, yes, uh, the last two examples I have, I read quick. Um, one was a short film called "Dear Basketball" that was a 2018 Oscar winner and it, um, it well it's sort of I don't even it's hard to describe but it's like a sort of like an animated documentary <laughs> it's like a short film um, the basketball short film which is interesting um, but it was created by Verizon um, for reasons unknown <laughs> It's part of a larger campaign. Um, the other example is uh, consult QD. Uh, so it's a it's a health resource site, sort of like the Mayo Clinic type of thing, uh, created by the Cleveland Clinic. And they um, what they did was basically the the, the specialties that. Cleveland Clinic specializes in. They created a online resource that goes for for doctors, uh, doctors and patients um, specifically. Um, so specifically, like a, a different. i don't know how to describe it. It's a different content tilt than um, than like those basic WebMD searches. This would be like more for um, the very interested patient that's willing to read long-form articles or for physicians themselves um, so it's actually aimed at physicians and healthcare professionals it's not aimed at like the casual person who's like googling their symptoms and they expect that Google will give them the result without having to click on anything it's not for that <laughs> um, and it's it highlights all of their their latest research insights and uh, treatment trends and it's not just you know by them it's they, they have they have contributors, and it's it's kind of run like like, it, like a like a health website should be, and they've only focused on the specialties that they they study there. So, cancer, digestive, heart and vascular, neurosciences, nursing, and urology and nephrology. Um, so, it's a very interesting take on a. A, a health website like it's a very specific content niche where they're like this is what we specialize in this is what our doctors specialize in and we're gonna make this site for physicians and healthcare professionals and not and for advanced patients and not for like um Googlers because th- well realistically there's no way they're going to um, they're gonna beat WebMD from an SEO standpoint so
1: <laughs> yeah that's a great example that made me think of something else too is, is you can use content marketing for hiring which you know, seasonal attractions? That's a huge. Uh, that's, a, you know, that's a huge concern of you know. Can we hire enough uh, seasonal workers? Can we hire enough uh, you know haunted haunted house you know monsters ticket takers? And so content marketing could be used uh, that way as well. I, I don't have a specific brand example, but I know I've seen uh, you know, fast food restaurants put together guides of like what to look for in a summer job or uh, how to manage. Uh, uh, looking for colleges or something, and, and really trying to market towards people that are not necessarily only going to be consumers for them, but uh, to, could also be applicants for uh, uh, to actually work at one of those companies. So that, that that's uh, I, I like what you mentioned with Cleveland clinic, clinic, how they're. Doing a different uh, twist on that, um, so that could be another opportunity too. Is if if uh, like many companies, you're in an area where unemployment is incredibly low, and you're having a hard time hiring people. This could be another way to to reach um, people who are looking for a temporary job or a new opportunity. Um, a couple examples before we wrap up, I wanted to talk about Airbnb. Uh, they have spent a ton of money and a ton of time. I think ever since they, they started on creating uh, trip guides. So these guides don't necessarily mention Airbnb, but they mention everything there is to do at uh, different uh, destinations. They help you plan travel, kind of decide, you know, do I want to visit this country or this city versus another one? And of course, Airbnb is all about uh, hosting people. Um, and, all, and being that hotel alternative when you, when you do travel. So it makes sense that they're, got, that they're creating these high quality guides um, that are coming up very high in search engine optimization. When people are searching Google, coming up on social media, when people are looking for different hashtags uh, for these locations and they're, they're very helpful information. I've, I've used them before. Uh, even, even though I haven't necessarily used Airbnb, I've used their guides and it, it makes you think of Airbnb, even if you are uh, for that, you know, trip booking through a hotel, maybe a future one, you would consider it an Airbnb. They also have a, uh, a print magazine that they charge a subscription for. Uh, that's a similar idea that they take their trip guides and the stories of different Airbnb travelers, put, uh, put them together with really high quality photography and tell those stories um, in a really interesting way. Um, so they, that's available. Uh, we'll, we'll have links to that in the show notes. Um, and also another thing that attraction magazines, or sorry, attractions and uh, restaurants uh, have been featured in the content marketing magazines that are in you know hotel rooms, almost every hotel room, no matter where you go. Uh, those magazines are usually created by tourism boards and are a, a source of, of content marketing. Usually they'll tell you a story about... Uh, a local attraction, or they'll tell you a story about a you know a performer. Like if you go to Las Vegas, you'll you'll have a whole biography about uh, uh, about a local performer, and that, that's a source of content marketing as as well. Um, so that's another example in the attractions industry of um, of, of uh, content marketing. Um, and then just to wrap up, a couple of ideas of how to measure content marketing that I've used in the past. Uh, like Philip mentioned, you can you can think about search engine ranking and measure traffic to your website, uh, traffic to views of content, um, see how the number of, of searches uh, increases over time. Uh, another great way is uh, email signups, people who are subscribing to your magazine, to your email newsletter, how are those increasing over time organically? Where are they coming from? Um, and the holy grail of all marketing is, of course, if you can track it to back to a return on investment. Um, in a lot of ways, you can, you can do that is if you have a database of subscribers of matching that against people who are purchasing. Um, you can also remarket to them. So let's say uh, you have a thousand people who have signed up for your, your, news, your newsletter uh, your, or your magazine. Or whatever content marketing you have uh, could be a YouTube video you can remarket to that list through different services whether it's Google display ads or Facebook or Instagram ads uh, you can really focus not content marketing but you know paid uh, paid ads to that list that you've built through content marketing and then you can see do that does that list convert better than uh, just yeah, the general audience targeting that you would have used in the past. Um, so, those are a couple of ways. So, any other ways that you uh, measure content marketing?
0: Well, I think these are some good basics to get you started. Um, but I encourage you to come up with your own way of measuring, depending on what the campaign is. Um, because because, this is all, all of these are great, but they're all based on digital forms of measurement. So if your content strategy doesn't involve something digital like this, um, like it's an event <laughs> or it is uh, a print magazine like we do, or even if it's like a podcast or some sort of thing like that, and you're not really able to get, you know, you can you can just do it based on, listens. But as we've talked about, like just, just going on content views and listens and downloads and subscriber numbers, those are all vanity metrics because they don't really tell you if this is accomplishing um, being like ultimately content marketing is only good if it is uh, teaching your target market something. (laughs) So, um, the views and the consumption doesn't necessarily tell you whether or not it is doing that thing. So you might need to get a little bit creative, um, with your definitions of ROI and your definitions of, uh, of how, how you're really measuring how impactful or not the marketing is for your, your end clients. Um, what we look at on the magazine and uh, something that we track is, you know, the amount of, 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 uh, target market individuals. So, if, you know, if we're looking at uh, specifically, um, someone from those three groups, like a buying house or a designer or a, uh, um, an end user, um, in the seasonal attraction space. So I'm looking to see the engagement that we get from them. And I'm looking to see, you know, not just if they sign up, but, Are they engaging with the content? Um, Is it resonating with them? And then um, are they taking action based off any of the articles? And for the uh, event, you know, we look to gauge uh, interest in the event as in, you know, are are people, are industry thought leaders looking to um, either attend or to speak at it because that's a... a, uh, Better indicator of whether or not this is important to them than just kind of who shows up, right? It's like looking at the the pool of people who want to be involved and to contribute to it, um, and seeing if if we're getting more of our target market that we're trying to reach interested in actively participating in this thing. That's that's more what I what we care about rather than um, some of the other some of these things. Um, I mean, it is nice. Uh, yeah, it's nice to get email signups, and it's nice to get some of this retracking material, Um, but it doesn't prove that they are engaged, at least for non-digital content. Um, We do migrate the content over to websites. Uh, So the digital rights that we have, we give digital rights to some other uh, websites and to some of our own, depending on what the content is. And then we do track it to see how well the content is performing. Um, But that's kind of uh not not as high of a uh objective. That that's more just to kind of help us determine is this a um are we on the right track with the content um and what content is resonating the most digitally um because sometimes we'll do digital only content. But anyway, that's my rant.
1: Yeah, no those are great points. And and I think it's like you said, you really have to think about what do we, what do you want to get out of this? Um uh, and, there, and then is what are the what are the limitations to, to how you can you can track what's what's that uh, you know end goal um, you, you'll see uh, companies sometimes use surveys or when people are purchasing say hey you know, how did you find out about us it's uh, like almost all marketing tracking there's nothing that's perfect um, but hopefully those will give you some ideas of of uh, you know how you can kind of define success for your next content marketing campaign. Is there uh, any other any anything else you wanted to discuss about
0: content marketing? I think
1: hopefully we gave a pretty good overview.
0: I think we gave more than enough.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and if if you do uh, if our listeners do have any any questions at all, or, or want us to you know, dive deeper into a certain part of content marketing, visit marketingyourattraction.com and you can uh, find out how to contact us there. You can uh, listen to previous episodes. Uh, we have a lot of the episodes have been described, transcribed into blog posts. Uh, a ton of great content up there. Uh, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe in iTunes or whatever podcast player you're, um, you're listening to us on. I wanted to recommend, I I don't work on this app at all, but it's something I just found out about and downloaded the other day. It's called uh, Zest in Light. It's a new marketing app that is a content aggregator. Um, You download it and then you can decide, uh, you can go into the app and say, okay, I want to learn more about content marketing. I want to learn more about search engine optimization, public relations, whatever marketing topics uh, you're, you're looking to learn more about. And every single day, it'll, it'll uh, uh, download three articles into the app from sources all over the web. Uh, and it's curated by their uh, editorial team. It's a really great way to be focused about your learning and marketing. I, I, I learn a lot through Twitter and, and social media and different email newsletters. That I uh, that I subscribe to, but um, this this app I'm excited to use because it's a, it's more focused. Uh, you don't have this, the distractions that you have a lot of times in social media. So uh, give it a try. It's free. We have the link in the uh, the show notes. Uh, Philip and I, like I said, don't have anything to do with this app, but just something I've been uh, checking out recently that I wanted to recommend. Uh, and before we wrap up, Philip, do you want to talk about uh, how our listeners can get a subscription to the magazine that you're mentioning?
0: Yes, you can go to SeasonalEntertainmentSource.com and there is a uh, sign-up link there for the magazine. And the next issue mails out early July. So get on the subscription list and there's uh, digital issues available as well. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Marketing Your
1: Attraction podcast. Be sure to subscribe and we'll talk to you next episode.